Good morning, listeners. Can I start with a happy new year from me? I hope you're all staying safe and well in these difficult times. And I want to say a big thank you to Simon and to Nevis Radio for letting me have this chance to share some thoughts with you. I thought long and hard about what to talk about this week, and I decided I'd go back to the way I did the first few times I did Thought for the Day and look at some famous events or people associated with the dates I'm talking about. So with that in mind, I had a look at famous events associated with the 18th of January. The one which leapt out at me was the fact that on this day in 1919, the Versailles Peace Conference opened. This is the conference which was supposed to organise the peace treaties after the First World War. It was also supposed to help ensure that the First World War would be the war to end all wars. It failed. It's hard to explain why it failed. I could spend hours, and in fact I often have done in the classroom, discussing this, but it comes down to one thing, I think, really. That those involved couldn't agree what was the best way forward. Everyone involved had their own agendas, and it was hard for them to compromise. Their inability to get on and to come to an agreement had dire consequences for Germany, Europe, and the world. This last year has been difficult for the world too. These times are unprecedented in many ways. There has been, of course, the pandemic, there were protests about the dreadful way some people in the US are treated, and of course there was the campaign and reaction to the US presidential election. Some people find it harder and harder to agree or to compromise. They think that compromise is a dirty word. Still others insist that compromise means the other side having to agree to everything that you say. That's not compromise, that's surrender. I cannot say that I'm any better than anyone else. I most definitely am not. However, as a Christian, at least I have a good example to follow. You see, Jesus lived in a difficult world, and at difficult times. He lived during tumultuous political times. He faced oppression and opposition at every turn. And his message, even when he was being nailed to the cross, well, it can be summed up in the Bible verse, John 15, 12, which says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. A simple message, but an effective one. Jesus modelled this in his daily life. He loved everyone. This love manifested itself in many different ways, but most often in serving people and in helping them where they were. We might need to think about this a bit more. Even if someone has a different political opinion, even if they think your ideas are stupid, as hard as it may be, I think we should try to love people a bit more. A little bit more love in the world can't be a bad thing, can it? Thank you for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow with another thought for the day. Good morning, listeners. When I was looking for remarkable events that took place on this day in history, I realised it was a famous person's birthday. On this day in 1946, in the USA, a poor family gave birth to their fourth child, a girl, who would eventually go on to be one of 12. The parents couldn't afford the fees for the doctor and instead had to pay with a bag of oatmeal. Today, the woman this girl grew up to be is world famous and worth a good deal more than a bag of oatmeal. Her name? Dolly Parton. Dolly's one of the most famous country singers in the world, with such well-known songs as Jolene and Nine to Five. However, she's so much more than this. Other than the story of the bag of oatmeal, a quick look at her life reveals some remarkable facts. She has her own theme park called Dollywood, but she's never been on a single one of her own roller coasters. She's been on the receiving end of a number of death threats from the Ku Klux Klan because of her beliefs. And once, she entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and lost. For me, though, the most wonderful thing about her is her generosity and philanthropy. 
In the 1980s, she set up a foundation in her her home county to help reduce the number of young people dropping out of school. She arranged mentors and gave every student who graduated $500. The dropout rate fell from 35% to 6%. Recently, she gave $1 million to help out in the COVID pandemic. Perhaps more remarkable than all of this is her Imagination Library. This is a program which has given away over 100 million books to children across the world. Dolly Parton has, at the heart of her life, a faith in Jesus. She gets up most days at 3am to do a bit of admin and to pray. For her, her faith has meant sharing what she's been given and being generous. Being generous, even when you have little, is part of what I was talking about yesterday. Loving one another. Jesus didn't have anything to call his own, but he shared what he could. The same was true of the early church. They shared what they had, the rich and poor alike. So this week, whether we're working nine to five or whether we're not able to work, it might be nice to think about ways we can help each other out. It's what Jesus would do, and it's what Dolly would do too. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow on what looks to be a momentous day. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having as good a week as possible. And thank you again to Simon and Nevis Radio for letting me share this week. When I was looking for important events in the past to keep in with my theme for this week, I realised that I don't need to look to the past. Today is an historical day in and of itself. Today the US will inaugurate its 46th president, Joe Biden. Now there are some fascinating facts about US inaugurations. For example, in 1849, Zachary Taylor refused to be inaugurated on a Sunday. And this meant that, for one day, a man named David Rice Aitchison was in charge, although he says that he slept through most of it. And in 1873, on an inauguration that took place in March that year, the weather was so cold that the champagne and food for the reception froze. In 1841, William Henry Harrison gave his speech, his inauguration speech, which lasted over two hours. However, he wasn't wanting to be seen as weak, so he decided to not wear a coat. He promptly caught pneumonia and died a month later, the shortest presidential reign of all time. Now, we all know that the recent election in the US has caused much acrimony and trouble, and that there is a good deal of trouble in that country right now. Whether or not you support the government of the USA, it's always a good idea to pray for them and hope that the president makes good decisions. 45 men have ascended to the presidency. Four of them have been killed in office, and at least another four have had serious attempts on their life. That's a rate of 20%, give or take. Being president is a dangerous job. It's also an important job. Decisions taken in the Oval Office have world-reaching ramifications. As a Christian, we are supposed to pray for the government and those in authority. It's something I remember well from my days in the Anglican Church when I lived in Kent. It might be difficult. And it might seem to go against everything we stand for, but it's important. Jesus was no fan of the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but it never stopped him praying for their well-being. This is something that I'll be trying to do as we go forward. I may or may not like the decisions that those in authority over me make. I may or may not like their politics, but I will be praying for them that they make wise and good decisions. And I hope that you can join me. Once again, thank you for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow with another thought for the day. Good morning, everyone. When I was younger, I lived in a small village in North Wales. Just down the road was the slightly bigger town, if you could call it that, of Llangollen. I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you're allowed, I highly recommend it. 
One of its secret highlights is a massive second-hand bookshop above a cafe. One of those old-fashioned ones with lots of tiny rooms crammed with dusty and musty books. When I was about 13 or 14, I found a book in there that was published on this day in 1921. It was called The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and was the first book published by Agatha Christie. I took it home, devoured it, and was hooked in an instant. Hercule Poirot is one of the great characters of literature. His stories are so well written. I remember well the first time I read Murder on the Orient Express. I was reading it on the bus and came to the point where the killer is revealed. It was the first time I ever exclaimed out loud at a book's conclusion. Agatha Christie was a lifelong Christian. She believed that her books reflected this, with their stories of good triumphing over evil and the pursuit of justice. Throughout her life she wrote at least 75 books, but only one book was always on her bedside table. And that book was The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. One of my favourite quotes from that book is, For what would it profit us to know the whole Bible by heart and the principles of all the philosophers if we live without grace and the love of God? Which is a key point. We can know all the things in the world. We can have so much knowledge and be so wise and so intelligent, but without the love of God, what's the point? And sometimes this might sound difficult. Many people struggle to understand how can God love them? How can we be loved by such a, a being as God? However, Agatha Christie knew a thing or two about how to end a story. She knew the importance of the conclusion. And with this in mind, she had an inscription on the flyleaf of her book. And it was taken from the book of Romans, where it says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? And the answer to this question is no, nothing can. Agatha Christie knew that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God loves us no matter what. Agatha Christie knew this. She knew that this was the end of the greatest story. And I think it's a fantastic way to think and a fantastic way to feel. Thank you for listening again, and I hope that you all have a great day. Good morning, everyone. I hope you've all had a lovely week. I've really enjoyed digging into the past to find out about the people and events associated with the dates this week. This morning, I want to talk about Queen Victoria, because on this day in 1901, after a reign of around about 64 years, she died, leaving Britain much changed from when she became queen. Now, up until about five years ago, she had the longest reign of any British monarch. Her first name wasn't Victoria, but was actually Alexandrina. She was the first member of the royal family to live in Buckingham Palace. She survived several assassination attempts and is credited with having helped popularise the Christmas tree as well as wearing white at weddings. Now, actually, one interesting fact which leads me to my main point today is that she was the first monarch to ride a train. You see, Victoria's reign was a long one and it covered a period of huge change in Britain and the wider world. Britain went from an agrarian society to an urbanised and industrialised one. Her reign saw the invention of railways, motor cars, cameras, the oil industry, typewriters, electric bulbs, and even jelly babies, among so much more. Change can be very scary, and many people worry about the future and what it might bring. When trains first came in, people thought that women shouldn't ride them, just in case their insides flew out. 
All joking aside, it is okay to worry about change. Change can be difficult. As a Christian, I don't have any special insight into how to deal with change. It's just as scary for me as it is for anyone else. But I do have something special to cling on to. You see, for the Victorians, no matter what the change, they always seem to have the constant of a queen who was the same one as they'd always known. We all like to cling on to things that in the past have brought us comfort. And it is the same for us Christians, you see. We have a God who never changes. The Bible says in the book of Malachi that I, the Lord, do not change. And in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what changes in our life, God doesn't. The love he had for us yesterday, he has today, and he will have tomorrow. I think for me that this is definitely something to keep clinging on to and going back to, no matter how much things change and how difficult things become. So thank you again for listening, and I'll be back on Sunday. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're well, and have had a good weekend so far. Now, I know that Christmas was a few weeks ago, but I wanted to talk about one of my son's favourite Christmas presents. It was a present he got about a week or so after Christmas, after we went to visit, socially distanced, of course, in the garden, with his best friend. His best friend gave him a book, and this book was 100 Facts About Space. My son devours lists of facts, and he adores learning about space. So, for a few nights, our bedtime reading was a number of these facts from space. That was where I came across the fact, which is that on this day in 1986, Voyager 2 flew past the planet Uranus. It discovered new moons and took photographs, which have helped scientists discover so much about the outer planets of the solar system. Voyager 2 is the only probe to examine the four outer giant planets. It's made up of 65,000 pieces and is currently about 11.5 billion miles away. My son and his sister are actually both fascinated by space. Many nights during the winter, when it's clear, we take a little walk out of the house just to look at the stars. We can't see much from where we live, but they love it. They'll exclaim with delight when we see Mars or when we see Orion or the Big Dipper, and I just love this. One of my favourite Bible verses is from Psalm 19. And in verse 1 of that psalm it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. As a Christian, I firmly believe in a God who created the universe and everything in it, from the smallest atom to the biggest galaxy. It was all made by him, and he wants us to explore it and to enjoy it and to find out about it. Did you know that he's made the sun approximately 400 times bigger than the moon, and yet it's also 400 times further away, meaning that we can have total eclipses, which let us study the sun and have let scientists and astronomers learn so much? I find these sorts of facts and coincidences to be fascinating. You see, God loves the things he created, and he wants us to do so as well. He knows that often we can sit and look up at the stars and marvel and wonder. What he wants us to know is that he made this for us and for our enjoyment. The God who flung the stars into space and made countless galaxies made them for us to look at and to enjoy and study. And that's a remarkable thing. And something that makes me feel wonderful. More remarkable, though, is the fact that this God, the one who created everything in the entire universe, loves each and every one of us even more. In the book of Genesis, when he created the stars and the planets, he said it was good. When he created the sun and the moon, he said it was good. When he created humans, he said it was very good. 
He cares about us so much. He loves us so much that he became one of us to ensure that we would one day be able to go from this corrupted but still beautiful creation into an even better one. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed me on Thought for the Day this week.